Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. I'm Love. And I'm Thunder. Whoa! Can we change our names to that legally? That Actually, you know what? I would love that. Honestly, I really would. Because uh, that's a wicked title, and I like having the name Thunder. It, it, it's probably one of the best titles the Marvel Universe has. You know, I've never thought of naming conventions for movies as much as you have. I know you have. Oh, you put a video, you put a lot of video into it. Um but yeah, I do like Thor: Love and Thunder, and mm-hmm. honestly, this time around, it it the, at first you try to figure out, you know, it could be going one way with the movie title, but in the end, it doesn't. It does something completely different. It does, and it, when we get to that, I want to ask you about that because I have a question regarding the Love and Thunder of it all. But we're jumping way too far ahead. This is our full spoiler breakdown of Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, I'm sorry it's coming so late. That is my fault. It's our fault. Not this man's. It's a team fault. Actually, it's Ro- It's uh, the the internet provider's fault. That's Rogers' fault. Yeah, yeah we uh, we got a big shortage here. It's your fault, Rogers. Yeah. And you, uh, if you know, if you if you live in Ontario, you know what happened. If you don't, lots of bad stuff went down in terms of a service provider uh, who knocked out all of my internet and my cable and my phone, so we couldn't record the day after. Mm-hmm. But here we are now talking about love. And thunder. Yes, the thunder. Um, okay, I don't know how we're gonna approach this, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna just I'm gonna just start off by saying this is a fun movie. This is yes. no short of fun uh, anywhere to be seen in this movie, and it's very fast. Once you hit the ground running, you are gone. Like you are just constantly going to blitzing through this movie. I think Taika did a great job. It to me, it feels like, and there's nothing. There, I think there are some flaws with this film. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. And I think these flaws are what's causing the kind of mixed positive reviews that's coming out. Like, people love it, but they don't, like, like it. Like, sorry, people like it, but they don't love it, love it. Um, right. And there's this kind of this, this awkward place with the whole movie. So I'm going to go out and say it's a fun movie. It's very fast-paced. It does not break rhythm uh, at all, I think. I think there's, like, some slower movements. But it's like a fandango in the sense it's like a constant dance that maintains the rhythm despite um, upward and downward motions in terms of speed. So <clears throat> this movie was very fun for me. I had a great time. I was I was half expecting a little bit more uh, inclusivity with other characters, but it's really a Thor story. It's a very Thor story, and it's 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 a great great time. Had by all, but that's that's the kind of summary I want to pitch of this movie. It's very fun. It's very Thor story, and uh, it's a good time. But there, there, it does have some flaws, and uh, we'll get into that. I like the way you put that though, and I think I agree because that's kind of the elephant in the room right now, or, mm-hmm. or the goat in the room. Definitely the streaming goat is um, the fact that <laughs> this movie's getting a lot of hate right now, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's deserving of any hate. Uh, but I feel like how you put it, Ryan, it's, I like this movie. I, I think it's cute and I'm totally friends with it, but I wouldn't ask it to prom. No. Yeah. I wouldn't ask it to prom either. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it, here's what, okay. Let me actually rephrase how I'm going to pitch this. This feels like 
Thor Ragnarok happened on Friday night. This is Saturday. And this is what happens after Ragnarok. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it definitely feels like the next day. And it doesn't right. lose that rhythm of Ragnarok. And it keeps, and it ups the fun. Like, it's like, ooh, it's Saturday. Let's go out. Let's do some crazy stuff. But it still feels a part of Ragnarok. It's very closely related. It's it's kind of like a, it's like a, a Ragnarok 1.5. And by adding mm-hmm. some, adding a little bit more, but still keeping it very much a Ragnarok experience. And I, I don't hate it for that. I love it for that. Like, yes, I'm, I'm hoping there's a Sunday to this film and it's completes the weekend and it's like the weekend you've always wanted. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel like Ragnarok's a Friday night and you go out and you go out hard and it's like the best, you've had the best experience ever. You may black out, like you don't know what's going on. But then Saturday comes around and like Saturday is a whole day off, right? So how does that look? How does that flow and feel? And that is what Thor Love and Thunder is. And I would, hands down, like this is still a Marvel movie that ranks really high for me. Uh, there's a lot of fun characters that we're going to talk about. But to me, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely like, it, it feels like it doesn't miss a beat from Ragnarok. And it's both good and bad because you're stretching out the experience that is Ragnarok yeah. and you don't want that per se with this movie. Everyone's kind of half expecting it to be this groundbreaking next edition when it's literally like just a continuation. And I think people are feeling the kind of exhaustion and wanted something a little different. Maybe that sense of expectation, maybe that's what it is. Cause I've, mm-hmm. I've been having trouble putting my finger on why would I not ask this movie to prom? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really couldn't, quantify it and i'm hoping that throughout the course of this podcast once we get to the end i'll be able to kind of put the put the finger on yeah, the button yeah get get some clearer idea of why i feel the way i feel about it mm-hmm. so i i like that lead-in because that that really gets me in the right frame of mind this is we're going to be detectives here we're going to be batman we're going to figure out why why i gotta put dc in this bro because dc is part of everything <laughs> DC is the no. podcast that we secretly are, but you just don't know. You have to read between the lines. If you take every 14th word we say in every podcast and you put them together, we're actually reviewing DC movies. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's okay. Imagine um, it actually works. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh my God, the way they talk about Superman 4, the quest for peace is exactly how I feel. <laughs> I wish. Um, all right, so... Let's talk. Let's go. Let's get into it. Okay. Movie kicks off with this epic kind of journey of Thor. And it does. It is the funniest thing. I have never, I don't think in previous Marvel movies, I have laughed out loud this much and, and quite frequently than this movie. This movie mm. goes for a lot of laughs and it, and it doesn't, doesn't miss a mark. Now, a lot of people, a lot of reviewers I've read, they're all like, this is just more of the, the same running jokes from Ragnarok. This is no, no, this is not the why is the rum gone running joke that happens throughout the entire Pirates of the Caribbean. These jokes are elevated, but they still are related to the kind of humor you would find in Ragnarok. But I don't think they're played out to a point where I'm like, why is the rum gone? And it's not funny anymore. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like that kind of that kind of humor. But this the first opening battle sequence is at well, sorry, the first sequence is gore. And we yeah, learn about cool. gore. I forgot about that. It's kind of it starts off with this air of mystery and desert, and like you see gore just like suffering, uh, and it it kind of sets of it sets a slow tone, but it's short lived very quickly. 
but we start off with Gore and he's and he's on this dry planet and he's begging his god for rain and he's with his daughter and yes. it's really harsh to, it's it's actually it's a it's a well done emotionally well done scene but it's a tough pill to swallow it is and it's it's strange because you have this movie that might be the wackiest movie the MCU has done yeah and it begins with a child dying on screen and i want maybe there we go maybe that's our first clue mm -hmm. as to why people are having trouble loving this movie is it is it can be very disjointed mm -hmm. it can be very you can get whiplash going from this child just died in her father's arms and now he's renouncing his god to like i'm the junk thor and look at my screaming goats uh and normally i like when the same movie can make you laugh your ass off and make you sob uncontrollably i like that uh joss whedon does it really well mm -hmm. okay, all of his stuff but whedon's kind of a, a sour subject he now, is a sour it? subject uh I'm, I'm not complimenting the man i'm complimenting <laughs> the work the work he has been able to put out and you know that comes from a lot of his writing staff like drew goddard and jane espenson they have you know credit tim veneer well. yeah Minier. but the way that this movie presented those two very polar opposites maybe it didn't sit well with some people i think so um it sat well with me and I, here's the thing too going into this there are some snapshots in this movie that are like ripped directly from the comic mm -hmm. and it's to me it's perfect because like i have background i have the background with this comic i've read it i love it the art is beautiful i just i just showed you before you we, me, we yeah. recorded um but yeah it's 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 a nice rip from there so there's kind of I feel like Taika kind of plays a little bit of trust with the fans on this one. And it doesn't, I don't think it, I don't think it fully works with a lot of people, but again, this movie hands down, I'd buy it's in my top 10. Like I had a blast. I had a blast with this movie. Wait, so in your top 10, what? Top 10, like MCU movies. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh yeah. It ranks really high. It's wow. really fun. It's a really fun movie. Oh boy. But okay. okay. So, but we're doing this detective thing. Yes. We're talking about Thor Love and Thunder. I'm Ryan J. Whitehead. I'm still love. And he's but you, still I love. guess you can call me Andrew Fantasia yeah. if you really want to. But. And now we're going to take you through the rest of what is the epic experience of Thor Love and Thunder. So he prays to his gods. He prays to his gods and then they don't answer. Mm -hmm. and his when, daughter dies. When they show up in the jungle there, in the oasis rather. That's a weird scene. Like it's it's weird in terms of just like like you're just as confused as Gore is of, with, yeah. of this oasis that's like appeared. And uh, I love the God they picked, uh, it's really funny. Um, but it's the guy from What We Do in the Shadows. It's one of his co-stars. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, he plays this, this obscure God. Uh, and I love, but I love the commentary. I love the commentary that he sets up with the scene yeah. and like, you know, and like he's just like the gods are laughing at him, even though he's like been super loyal to this god the entire mm. time. It is so, it is so. It this movie does a good job of definitely making you feel feelings in this moment. But uh, oh man, it's a it's a good scene, and they bring out the Necro Sword. Yes, they do. Do you know the sword? Do you know about the? Sword? I know of the sword. Um, I've been at parties where the sword was there, but I haven't gone up and talked to the sword and been like, "Hey, what's up." <laughs> But from what I heard from other people at those parties, the sword comes from the planet where the symbiotes 
come from? That's right. Mm. That is the Necro Sword. And yes, it comes from the King of Symbiotes, essentially. Um, and like Symbiotes, it eventually consumes its host and leaves him for dead. You don't want that. No. But uh, it was really cool that they introduced the Necro Sword that way. And, and now a lot of fans are hoping that we're going to see more of this history. And hopefully we see the character that the sword ties to. Uh, this is Null? Yes. Like no. So is that why Dude in the Oasis was like all blacked out on, on the ground because the sword drained him? Oh, boy. See, that's what happens, kids. You play with fire, you get burned. Mm -hmm. You play with the Necro Sword from the Symbio planet. You get drained of your essence. Yeah, it's consumed. That's the firefighters who come to your school tell you about mm -hmm. this all the time. But you don't listen. Yeah. And so, and, and again, Christian Bale, being the most intense actor, just delivers a, an amazing performance. Yeah. Uh, it is it is super intense from from square one. And uh, the, the the scene from the trailer is like, this is my vow. All gods must die. That happens right in the beginning. They get, they get actually a lot of the trailer stuff they get right out of the way in this movie mm -hmm. very quickly. Uh, and it it has a it has a sense of not wanting to waste time. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to admit, there was a little moment where when he says, "This is my vow," I just had a moment where I'm like, "Oh, already? Okay." Uh, but I quickly got over it, mm -hmm. and I quickly like, "Okay, I get it. We want to get to him being a god butcher, you know, so he's not a god baker for half the movie." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Then when the scene ends and we we begin the movie proper, I'm I'm getting to this point, Ryan, where I'm really getting sick and tired of movies in general, not just Marvel, but any movie that doesn't show the title at the beginning of the movie. It's lazy. It's lazy. I you can, it takes 12 seconds to type the title in an editing software and boom, put it up there. I don't I don't like this directing choice. Uh, or editing choice, or whatever you want to call it. I don't like it. I, I, there's no excuse to not have a title at the beginning of your movie. Zero excuse. It's you know, and it's funny because you, if you again, stand it up next to Ragnarok. Ragnarok introduces the title pretty early on. Like it's the he escapes, he gets out of Surtur, escapes the dragon, and then when the portal slams into the ground, it's just Thor Ragnarok right away. Right. Uh, yeah, this one doesn't do that intro right out of the gate. It takes some time to get to it. And it and because it starts slow, you're just like you're taking in like man, this this dude just went through some stuff. Like he, his daughter died, he found out gods are a joke, and now he's like on a path, war path to kill everybody. Like you're just like whoa. Like there's there's a moment where like you feel the gravity of the situation. I think mm -hmm. that's the most apt way to describe it. Uh, and then it kicks into the battle sequence with Thor and the Guardians uh, after Korg is telling the story of like Thor's journey. Uh, and man, that scene is by far one of my favorite scenes. It is yeah. so funny and I love it because like one thing I love in action movies that they do really well is like, all you see is screaming and explosions and they're just like, go, that's bad. Just like, oh my God, we need cover right now. Like the, in a, in an action sequence, if done properly, you should be like constantly looking around, trying to, trying to get your wits of like the battle at hand and like. Like you have Drax just like going crazy and like, you know, coming out of water and all the guardians are freaking out. And then Thor, who's like embraced peace and tranquility, <laughs> it's like <laughs> uh, he comes in and then he and he comes in to help them and he does this huge epic speech and it's so funny. Oh my god. And the laughs just kick in from there. 
I love this battle sequence. It is is one thing Marvel is definitely doing right with, especially like characters like Thor. Thor's early scenes, they're fun, but they don't, you don't feel the umph of Thor. Like right. I, there's, I, you know, it's kind of getting to me now that I want to do a list for us about action sequences and like the top superhero feeling action sequences. Because one thing I loved in this battle was how epic Thor was in this battle. You feel every hit he, every hit he dishes, every jump he does, you feel all the movement and it's, it's so fun to watch. Uh, but I love this battle sequence. It is so funny. He does this Van Dam splits to block the <laughs> the bikes, and he starts screaming at them. I was I was on the edge of my seat, like laughing and just like being excited by this just roller coaster that is Thor. For me, the best part of these Taika movies is when he goes to these weird places and you see these crazy worlds. Yeah, uh, like the Grandmaster's world. I want to live on that world. So now we have this place where there's these priests and they have a beautiful glass, I think, question mark, cathedral that's mm -hmm. being taken over by these other aliens that kind of look like uh, Ewoks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what is if Ewoks and Furbies had a baby, yeah. that's what they would be. Do, are these actual Marvel comic peoples and, and places that the, we're seeing here? The uh, the the Furwalks, I don't know. Is that uh, what they're called? I'm going to call them that, sure. <laughs> I don't know actually. I haven't I I know in a lot of Marvel comics they they're they've been there. The blue aliens though, yes. They I just showed you in the comics. They they look exactly like the they do in the comics. They look exactly the same. Uh but yeah, those weird furry creatures, yeah, I have no idea. I don't think I've ever seen them in the comics personally. What about uh I guess that world that they're on is not uh, anything mm. particular. Uh but it is a new world, which means for the first time in a long time we get to play our game that we have on the show called Galactus Hungers. Oh. Every time we see a new planet, we speculate, what does it taste like when Galactus bites down into it? This is this is a very salad, but like one of those salads where it's a meal. Yes. It's just very flavorful. Yes. But like it's but it's thriving with so much like vegetables. It's very healthy but very filling. So this is like a good lunch salad. Oh my god, I agree. That's perfect, 100. percent And it's like mm -hmm. you're—it's like one of those salads. It's like you get a salad bowl, so there's like little pieces of corn. Yes, in the salad. exactly. There might be some strips of meat. Might be. Um, maybe chicken. Maybe chicken. There's like a a heavier dressing on it, mm -hmm. not like a Caesar, but there's something heavy on it that like gives it oomph. Yeah. Uh, it, it has density to it. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. You're 100%. 100%. Uh, and yes, Galactus would come and eat this place up for sure. Hell, the way you made it sound, I will come <laughs> eat that place. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, but I love this battle sequence. It's so much fun. Honestly, if you watched it, I'm sure you're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, that, that battle was a lot of fun. I had a lot of good laughs. If you didn't like it, I'm curious to see why. Um, but one of the interesting things about this battle sequence is this is, the Guardians didn't have much screen time. No, they didn't. Uh, I think I wrote down something about, I, I feel like Drax had one line yeah. of dialogue and Mantis did not say anything at all. She just made a noise. Mm. I wonder how much Palm Clementief got paid that day to come on set. You she might, she might have been on you set for a couple know. of days. <laughs> and all she did was... Yeah, no. I mean, I love her to death. I think she's absolutely stunning. And she's from Quebec, so fellow Canadian. Yay. Um, 
That's her day, though. That's I, her day of work. I, yeah, her day of work. She got paid close. I, I'm sure it was somewhere in the millions. Oh God, for just not. for just standing not. there. Um. So, so, but I love this battle sequence. It was so much fun. And then the aliens are like, "Oh, you got to protect us and you know get them out of the citadel." And of course, Thor, in just super immaculate ways, just leaps through and goes to destroy it and knocks out their precious citadel. Uh, oh, it's priceless. And I gotta say, I love the 80s rock influence in this movie. This yes. movie does not let off the, that heavy metal pedal at all. It it's, keeps the, the pedal to the metal, literally. Uh, and uh, it's really fun. It's And I love Thor's look with the jacket vest. and the, Yeah, that's actually a cool look for him. It and, looks like he is adapting to being with Star-Lord. He's dressing like Star-Lord would. Mm -hmm. He's still kind of making it his own um i i do like the 80s metal flair even when there was no pop song playing like the score would mm -hmm. get that way there's a scene or like later on where the gang is flying to somewhere the goats are pulling them somewhere on valkyrie ship screaming and the score that's playing is like the 80s techno like you know what it reminded me of it was like a metal mix of um Oh my God! What is that story? The Macarena? No. I wish it was it's, the Macarena. Uh, it's like Gods and Monsters or something like that. It's like one of those really old school B Greek movies, like B horror Greek movies, like with Claymation. Clash of the Titans. That's the one. That kind of like operatic gladiator style soundtrack, but they gave like an 80s tone over. I love the soundtrack in this movie. Actually, I'm gonna probably get some of the songs from it because it's really yeah. fun. In fact, the Marvel, the Marvel intro, they did a metal, uh, a metal cinematic yeah. version of it. And was I was cool. I was all for it. I was like, oh my God, I wish this was like every single, you know, because like no matter what, it never gets old people. I'm sure yeah. you're sitting there like right now, like well, let's all take a moment and remember when that that intro kicks in because every time i see those pages start flipping i i'm like all right we're in for a marvel movie baby let's go let's do this, this is, more series need to have that because it yeah. gets you excited just like the james bond credits get you excited yep. just like the star wars DC. Crawl gets you excited they need to it's it costs you nothing to do and it gives you that little extra spice mm -hmm. that tells the fans in the theater you're in for this ride and when every time Marvel plays with that theme song, like they did here with the the metal version, yeah, it's just so much fun. And sometimes they do the different colors, like with Loki. Yeah, I love when they do that. Keep Ms. that. Miss Marvel actually played played with it a few times. Yeah, uh, with the soundtracks and everything, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I absolutely thought it was so metal when they finally kicked in the intro and everything. Uh, but the opening battle sequence is a lot of fun. And <laughs> Um, and the aliens are really hilarious, actually. I thought they, like, Taika did a really good job of the humor with these aliens. Um, and, like, Thor's leading with the Guardians, and they're like, oh, you know, let's not talk <laughs> let's not talk about what you just did, because you're not really a hero or anything. Yeah, I felt um, so bad for that priest. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he's like, let's give you a gift, and he gives some screaming goats. And they just, honestly, I, I, this is where a lot of people felt the, the, the why is the rum gone running joke was pretty tiring. Oh. I thought it was hilarious. I thought that the goats, the goats scream throughout the movie. Like it does not stop at the beginning of the movie. It keeps going and they just keep screaming at the most weirdest times. Um, but it's, it's so funny to me. It was like Isabella was beating the crap out of me, just like laughing so hard about the goats. There was kind of a, a, a whisper in the air mm -hmm. before the movie came out 
where I heard a lot of people talking, did you hear this too, where it's just like people who had seen early screenings kept talking about how awesome the goats were and how mm -hmm. they steal the show. Yeah. So I went into this thinking like the goats are going to be a big deal. And I didn't know. I thought, do they talk? What's, what's the deal with them? Mm -hmm. uh, I was not expecting these, what we got, but I found it funny. Yeah. I, I don't think I failed to laugh once at the goats screaming. So funny enough, there's a couple of things we need to point out here, comic book wise with the goats. And, and I think the, the movie kind of misses some moments of, of story here. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, in this, uh, I feel like we're spending a lot of time in the beginning, but it's totally fine. Um, it's okay. It's a short movie. In the, in the comics, uh, Thor actually does have goats right. to pull his chariot. Uh, and they're, I think it, their names are Null Muncher and Null something, Null Muncher and Null Thrasher or something like that. Um, and why Thor had the goats is because Loki convinced him that they're better than um, than owning stallions. So so Thor went out, tried to prove he was like the ultimate god, and he tried to it, he got goats, and then everyone laughed at him. But in the end, they, they like proved their worth and everything. Like um, exactly, yeah. And then the funny, the funny part of it is later on, he, he actually ends up creating a connection like Odin does with the Ravens, where he actually talks to them and they they talk to them back. They, they talk oh, to them back. cool. Mm -hmm. I hope we get a moment now in the Guardians Holiday Special where there's a third goat with a red nose. Oh, yeah. Tooth Grinder and Tooth Nasher don't let him play any goat games, mm -hmm. but he proves his worth, and maybe they kill a snowman along the way. Yeah. So that's that's I, I love that and kind of nod, but I, I really feel like they could have taken taken the opportunity for Thor to even mention like, oh, you know, Loki would tell me that these goats are, you mm -hmm. know, like goats are like noble creatures or something like that. And then Guardians is just like, yeah, they're 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 goats. <laughs> like, no. Like I would love that. Um, but yeah, I first of all, I also love the costume updates for the Guardians. They look a little more edgy, uh, mm -hmm. just a little bit. Not 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 significant differences um and then we also get the jump to lady sif who looks amazing yes. and lady sif makes a return which is really cool to see now not much of a return uh mm -hmm. she doesn't get much of a movie here unfortunately no not a lot of screen time no i was really hoping she would join them on their adventure um it and it's funny because we we skipped a movie with her yeah right so yeah. she's not in ragnarok I don't know if they ever said what she was doing in Ragnarok, but bringing her back, I thought was going to kind of have the same gravitas to it as bringing back Jane, mm -hmm. even though Jane's more of a main character, but just like you have the woman who loved Thor all her life. And now you have the biggest, like she is playing her biggest role ever. The woman who now loves Thor or, you know, basically his two loves. One of them is unrequited, but whatever. And I thought, okay, now that Jane's a main character, that'd be really interesting to have Sif be there as a secondary character and see how they play off each other. Because I think apart from that one time in the dark world, they never cross paths. Yeah. Right? Uh, so Sif only makes another appearance in Loki, and that's it. That's it. So she never gets some meaty stuff with Jane. And I thought, okay, when I heard she's going to be in this, I'm like, yeah, okay, Sif and Jane, let's see what happens there. You know, at some point in the adventure, the group gets separated and Sif and Jane have to work together. That is what I want to see. Um, and then Sif loses her arm. And that's it. That's it. 
Um, that's it. That's all you got to say. She has two scenes, and one of them she's not even standing up. Uh, I was a little bit bummed out for her. I'm not going to lie. A little bit bummed out for Jamie Alexander uh, that Sif kind of got uh, she kind of got the Rose Tico treatment uh, uh, yeah. from Rise of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they they wasted a lot of fun opportunities to have her be on this mission with Jane. Yeah, uh, I loved it. And they, they did a really cool update to her outfit. And yeah. I would have loved to have seen her in, in a little more in action with it, personally. Um, now, in that scene, basically the Guardians have like a distress call and they go through like a bunch of calls and stuff. There, I feel like there's something there. There's like a cameo or something there. I couldn't see it. It's too fast. It all happens very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so, but you're right. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of SIF time. And I, I remember hearing that this movie was going to wrap up some things. And I don't think, I don't think it's wrapped up a lot of Thor saga yet. I think Thor definitely needs a couple more films to kind of round himself out, kind of, Kind of polish off the edges a little bit mm -hmm. before we say like you know what this character's had a good run i think i think there's at least i think he could probably do two more good movies maybe two two is a bit like two is a bit much but like two would be like okay one more would be one more would be kind of fun and like you know maybe adding a little, couple more things to the story but then the last one's like we need to round we need to wrap this up um just to give it that breathing room because here's the thing. That's another thing about this movie. This movie doesn't give you a lot of breathing room. Mm -hmm. it, it is literally from one one thing to the next. Because we go from this battle sequence to Sif and the mystery of like this god being killed. Now, the interesting thing here is in the comics, they actually do a better job of um, why Thor is where he is. In the movies, I, what I like about the MCU is they did continue off that he's been with the Guardians. They've been traveling and doing their own thing and all this stuff. Um, in the comics, the one of the the blue aliens, or yeah, blue aliens, uh, she prays to Thor, and Thor hears the prayers and comes to the planet, and then he gives them rain, and everyone's happy. Uh, but then Thor finds out he's like, oh, you know, where's your gods? Like, where's because he knows them all. Like, all gods know each other, right? right. Uh, and they they say, oh, I don't know. We haven't seen our gods in many many a decade. Blah blah blah. So he's really confused. And then you get the shot where he sees, um, or sorry, uh, first uh, he goes to investigate uh, uh, this floating city where the gods are for that planet, and they're all butchered. This and is in the comics. This is in the comics. Okay, so he I goes to, like, I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the comics, he goes to investigate, and he starts noticing there's a, there's a kind of serial killer on the loose killing gods and right. he's like and which is mind-blowing because like nobody can kill gods so he starts getting concerned and he starts investigating more and then as he investigates there's a shot where and it's just like we see in the movie where he's on the mountain and he sees the giant wolf ice wolf lying down and Korg's Korg's with him in the movie but in the comics it's just him but the same the exact same shot so there's kind of that narrative that's set up and this one he seems to kind of just get it like he just gets it that there's a butcher out on the loose yeah killing gods and that's it and that i feel like it's because sif told them and it's like that's moving on yeah and that, that's even sadder for sif as she gets relegated to an exposition piece yeah i mean the thing about sif is she is you know it's not the warriors four it's lady sif and the, and the warriors, warriors three. three yeah she's her name is in the front of the band for a reason <laughs> right 
Yes. Name me one other person in the band Bon Jovi. <laughs> so she can fight even with one arm, as we find out at the mm -hmm. end of the movie. So that's even more of a, a reason to put her put her in there, put her in the mix with everybody. Yeah. And for her to just say there's a butcher here and then to kind of just slip away, mm. it's sad. And I, I can't help but wonder if in terms of the solving the mystery of gore, what do you think this would have been like, Ryan, if they went with a, obviously not dark like this, but if they went with a uh, more like trying to catch a serial killer thing like the Batman? I would have, I would have really liked. I that's what that's where I think again trying to solve the mystery of what we're worth, what's missing from this film. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, want to make sure I reiterate to our listeners is that like this is a fun movie. This is a good, very fun. Movie. It's a good and fun movie. Uh, but yes, there's there's a weird, there's a weird flaw to it, and it's and I again trying to articulate it, it's it's quite difficult. But yeah, so um, going back to what we're talking about. What I would have liked is, yeah, a little bit more mystery of solving it. And it, it would have fit the story better because Thor has been trying to find his place in the world. And, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, one of the things Odin says to him is like, we're gods or, or sorry, we're, you know, we're beings. We live, we die, you know. Yeah. And then Loki makes the joke, like, give or take, you know, a thousand years, uh, like 5,000 years or something like that. But they still have a mortality cycle. Right? right and what what always kind of awakens people more often than not is the fear of death or having a brush with death and i think what would have really been an interesting narrative that they didn't let breathe enough is that gods the the you know death can come for gods yes, and and for thor trying to find his place in the world that could really kind of shape him up to want to go see jane again kind of resolve things and like maybe even go see Sif and like you know or like spend some time with Sif and be like you know would it have worked if we got together you know what I mean like all these things would have start resurfacing and making him finally deal with these things as opposed to this this aloof character who's like you know finding peace and in like inner peace and trying to live his life and that kind of thing right because I don't think at any point in the movie I can't, my memory of it is still a bit hazy because mm. it was, you know, just once that I saw it. But does, is there ever a point where he is dealing, he's asking himself the moral question of, have I been a good God? Does that ever come I up? I don't think so. I, I, th I, don't, I think there's a scene that tries to illustrate that, but I don't think it's ever outright said, um, which we'll get to. And it's a fun scene uh, as well. I think a lot of scenes are fun. But you know what's funny is as you were talking about that, you know, it kind of hit me. Um, Jane actually has more of what the story that Thor was missing that that um, that Thor was missing than than what she was missing because when we're introduced to Jane, she we immediately find out she has cancer, yeah. and then like and then she goes through like her brain's so active that she has this brush with death that it, like awakens her and she starts trying to do more, and. And so she has this kind of idea of like, I, I, I need purpose. I need to do something. Yes. And, and so she tries to like cure herself of this cancer and to, un unfortunately to, uh, to a lot of failure. And then she starts like, she starts having like the idea of like thinking to the gods because she's been with Thor. She knows gods are technically real and there's that kind of story. So maybe that's where the disconnect kind of happens. But that, I think that's also where the genius is, is like, she has reached for mortality and through that she's finding 
she's finding this whole new purpose and like reconnecting with the gods because that's where the the uh gore versus thor this like antithesis is happening because gore is like you know gods are useless blah 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 yeah. and for her it's like gods are actually useful because they're giving her purpose and like to live so that we're that's really interesting actually now that i think about it it is they're they're kind of jane and gore are kind of coming at it from a polar opposite with thor in the middle mm -hmm. um but but thor i don't think thor has any growth like uh, he, he, he kind of just is thor the whole way through he he gets over his midlife crisis which he was having yeah but i i feel like if you're going to have your villain based around the idea of i got screwed over by the gods the gods are not worth worshiping i'm going to kill them actually mm -hmm. that's how not worth worshiping they are if that's your whole conceit as a villain and your main hero is a god then him struggling with oh my god maybe i have not been the best god because there are people who worship Thor. Yeah. There, those people and all the Asgardians, whatever, like uh, Thor and Valkyrie, they are worshipped. And we we get a little bit of a sense that Valkyrie's people like her. Mm -hmm. Like she's a good king, but it's not super spelled out for you. And we get a little bit of a sense that her people like Thor, but it's mostly because he's famous and hot than yeah. for, you know, any, any more profound reason. So... If they would have had Thor struggle with, I might not be the best God. If it was like a Spider-Man situation where he was struggling with power and responsibility. Yes. Yeah. He is not, you know, he's just being a hippie, hanging out with the Guardians, drinking his Kool-Aid up on his mountain with his man bun and him meditating. Mm -hmm. And people need him. People are praying to him to help with whatever. And he's not there for them. Then that could have created some some conflict and some sympathy sympathy where he's like gore is is uh is kind of right we are not the best people as gods yeah. we gotta smarten up and i i love that we got to see this guy in the beginning that gore kills when he gets the sword and i was hoping that we would see more examples and we kind of do with zeus but nothing really comes of it in that way where we see more gods and we the audience start to feel like Maybe we're on Gore's side here. Yeah. Right? And that that never kind of played out either. There's a lot of avenues this movie looked like it was going to take, and then it didn't take them. See, I don't know. Now that we're talking about it, I'm kind of having this... I'm, I'm having mixed feelings in a good way. Mm -hmm. Because the more I'm finding the details, the more I'm like, actually, it's really good. Because, like, Jane has... It's Jane's... If you think of it as Jane's story, Jane has a lot of growth, and she has to fight Gore. And there's a beautiful... There's a beautiful story in there uh, with the cancer and everything, and then her finding purpose and all this stuff. Right. There's a beautiful story there, and especially with Gore, who's descending, he realizes gods are do not give purpose. They and in fact they don't do anything, so therefore they shouldn't be a, they shouldn't be a part of the equation. So he's kind of like you know, again spearheading that, and then you know uh, Jane Thor, Jane Mighty Thor is doing her thing and it's it's kind of this interesting balancing act between the two of them uh which thor i think thor is supposed to be the balancing act between the two of them is like he is a god and he is bringing purpose he's right. bringing people to do the things right but I, I agree with you there's certain things that didn't quite connect and you could see a little bit more of but there is some genius elements here that i'm slowly discovering as we're talking yeah, about we're, it we're uncovering a lot of stuff mm -hmm. we're un unpackaging we're like we're opening this box of 
because this movie hits you hard and hits you with a lot of things very quickly. And that's, so I think you're kind of just taking, you're kind of just taking in a lot as you're trying to process what's going on. Right. And they give you no time to process it, like absolute zero time. So as Jane's kind of trying to cure cancer, she, you know, we come across uh, Dr. Selvik, we come across um, uh, Darcy. Uh, so we get some nice cameo from like the original, like just from Thor's early trilogy. Uh, but it's kind of short lived and it's kind of just jumps into it pretty like jumps into other stuff. So I love that she finds the book on Norse gods and looks up Thor's hammer and it's all about like the all the the life force and all this stuff mm -hmm. like that. It calls to her. It, it calls makes the to book her. Shake a little bit, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And then she goes to uh, New Asgard, which is a lovely like Disney World now. <laughs> yeah, which is really fun to see. And I love that again. They have like the Infinity Cone, which is cool. Uh, uh, so they have like a nice little reference there. Uh, and the other thing I thought that was interesting with this is so jane gets the hammer you know like okay we're moving along narratives are moving along pretty quickly and then thor uh heads back because he finds out that this person's killing gods and now i don't remember how did gore know to go to asgard next was there a reason or did he just go to asgard uh i think asgard is public knowledge right you know, well yeah no but like i thought i felt like lady sif or something I think it's I no like, Lady Sif told the story of how she ran into Gore to yeah. Thor, and then that Thor is then Gore realizes that Thor is alive, right? Because he because he thought they were all all the Asgardians were dead. Yes, and yes. by encountering Sif, he was like, "Oh, okay, they're still around." Yeah. Okay, so Gore goes to as so New Asgard, which is this is a really cool scene. I like the kind of cryptic child's nightmare tone that they're going for Gore in this, and that yeah. the the fight scene is fun. The shadowy stuff, that whole attack on New Asgard might be one of my favorite moments in the movie. Mm -hmm. The way the shadows look when they creep into the bedrooms. And it's very, it feels like mythology. It feels like a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. The idea of something creeping in and kidnapping the children. Yeah. It's like like the Pied Piper. Like it, it's an old, as old as the hills. The story of like you behave or the boogeyman is going to get you. Yes. And the having Gore take that position was a really smart move because it kept him from feeling like every other mm -hmm. you know stereotypical villain where he's just like i am angry and i will kill you all when we saw him as this boogeyman after he had taken the kid that we saw like oh he's got some charisma he's not just a dry guy with a sword and a pale face he's like oh hello children and i'm like oh i'm digging this guy oh he's 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 sadistic you know in a lot of really cool ways mm. um it's just like it's a lot of the little things he does. I think Taika really kind of found a fun way to work with him. There's a lot of memes about him in American Horror Story. There's actually, or is it American? Oh God, no! It's American Psycho. American, American Psycho. Psycho. Um, there's a lot of fun nuances that they use to kind of create the similarity between the two characters. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he, yeah, he's really creepy. Like he's a really, but it's just fun to watch. You just want to, you want it. You want the camera on Gore as much as possible because, like, all the little twists and turns he does with his face and, like, the smile and the eyes in the darkness is really messed up. Like, but you're lo like, love it. Love it. He almost reminded me of Palpatine mm. um, in the way that he mocked, right? Like, I, when he's got the kids in that wooden ball and he's sitting there talking to them, 
I half expected him to be like, I'm afraid to just shield. He's yeah. got that same mentality to him. <laughs> Um, it's so good. Your 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 Palpatine's always spot on, dude. It's so good. Uh, and he, uh, he, Christian Bale said there was a music video, and I can't remember the name of it, that he based the character off of, and it's some like British punk rock music video, very angry. Uh, and there's a character in the video that looks just like Gore. Mm-hmm. And in that music video, the guy does like a big long scream, and apparently Christian Bale said just for fun, for one take, he did that scream, and Taika obviously didn't put it in. But it's literally just him with his mouth hanging as wide open as he can, screaming for like 40 seconds. What? I, wow. I kind of wish we saw that. I kind of wish we did too, actually. This sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so the fight scene in New Asgard is really fun. Uh, and I absolutely love every second of it. And, and of course, when he runs into Jane, it's, it's hilarious. But they do a really creative job with Jane. Like the hammer breaks apart when she throws it to take out multiple characters and she can pull it back in Jane or uh, Natalie Portman looks great. Oh my God. Does she look like a superhero? You know what? Let's take this opportunity because I want to talk about Jane Foster's hair. Oh yes. Okay. In this movie, she go her hair goes through more arcs than Thor does. It's uh, true. It is. It's pretty funny. I didn't know Mjolnir could do this, but She's a cancer patient. She's looking haggard, as we all would. Uh, in fact, she makes having cancer look good because she still looks very, very nice. But she's all haggard, and her hair is kind of stringy and gray, that whatever. When she gets Mjolnir, apparently Mjolnir gives you some sick balayage on your hair because mm. she was rocking the blonde hair. I don't even know what balayage means, but yeah. What, what her hair looked like when she was Mighty Thor, that's balayage. Um, I want that. And <laughs> it, it, it looked amazing. And I was like, that's what Mjolnir does to your hair? That's hilarious. I had yeah. no, I, I'd never seen anything like that before in terms of like a superpower altering you like that. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets to the very end in the post-credit scene, she's got a bob. Uh, and I just thought, wow, that's, uh, that they're doing a lot of great work with her hair right now. They they actually went for a very comic book accurate look for her as Mighty Thor. Like she actually looks right like ripped right from the comic. Like as if you just pulled out the character and like put it in the movie. That's Boyage. Oh yeah, yeah. See, yeah, yeah. I I loved it though. She looks so metal. It was great. <laughs> she um so uh, yeah, I love the fight scene and then and then Thor meeting with uh, uh Jane uh Jane Mighty Thor. Is super funny. It's so fun. It's so good. Mm. They, I, one thing I love that Taika does, and it's it's kind of like the storytelling I love in most, uh, in most supernatural kind of stories like that. Same with Avatar. Same with um, any superhero story, really. Uh, the Young Justice show that I talked about is the theming, right? And the theme of that they were used to be in a relationship together, and like. And how they would be awkward around each other now, like it's, it's so good, and it plays it, because it's playing in the realm of the supernatural thing. It's so funny. It is so funny, and um, I loved it. I loved every second of it. There's a lot of good jokes about, you know, Thor's like 
starting to get interested in Jane once again, and then his hammers being all jealous about it. Yeah. It's so <laughs> priceless. Those were some of my biggest laughs of this movie. Yeah. Taika has, and I don't think he did this in, in Ragnarok or anything else, but he humanized Mjolnir and Stormbreaker. Yes. Uh, to the point where they are jealous, exit, whatever, you know, he humanized them that much. Uh, Stormbreaker is moving by itself, appearing out of the corner. <laughs> like that was that was, was so priceless. He's like, "Oh hey!" hey, hey. <laughs> uh, the, I love that the awkwardness of that and the awkwardness of Thor and Jane being the same vicinity. It's so again, priceless. That was probably hands down my favorite aspect of this movie. Yeah. Is that you almost have this love triangle between. A, a love rhombus. Yeah, love. I would say rhombus. Jane and the two weapons. The two hammers. Uh, yeah. And I'm just sitting in the audience, being like, "I love you, Tessa Thompson." So we had our own little love. Which, which Tessa's Valkyrie. This is the best looking Valkyrie yet. Like she, she. They found a look that made her look so badass. Anything that Tessa is is the best looking blank. <laughs> I don't know. I you know when you compare her to Ragnarok, I love her look now as opposed to the gray and gold outfit she had yeah. in the in the other one. I I respect that it is very similar to the original Valkyrie outfit. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. She, um, she wears some nice outfits on Westworld. She does, yes, those, she does. I love the fashion in Westworld. Actually, it's it's fantastic. It's so subtle. Yeah. It's like it's the future, but like only on your armpit. Like the armpit has like a barcode or something. Yeah, like that. Oh, it's... no, 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 no. There's one scene in the last season. It was like one of the first episodes. The into like a full gown. Yeah. I'm like, that's the future right there. That's exactly I'm not, right. I'm not a fashion person and I, I love this little tangent. I'm not a fashion person, but that shot, I like totally like just geeked out over. Cause I'm like, wow, that is, that is futuristic at the literally like she just kind of touches something. Yeah. Like, and the whole so thing. And, oh. Oh. and then oh. Tessa's got like that in season three, she's got that sort of her, her power suit, but it's like a cape. It looks like she's wearing a jacket. Yes, yeah, yeah, But she's not. It's a, a cape with sleeves that just dangles over her dress. It's, it's oh, a yeah. one-piece thing. I love it. I, I'm, I'm all for cyberpunk, guys, like our, our viewers. I'm all for cyberpunk. And let me tell you, Westworld is some of the best cyberpunk looks, but they're so elegant. They're so elevated yeah. to high society. I love it. It's priceless. Anyway, back on track here. Valkyrie looks amazing. Love her kind of dread look that she's got going on. And her outfit's more like Thor's, which is really cool. Um, and I loved her entrance in this. In the in the new Asgard battle sequence, just at the the final, the crescendo of the whole thing, she comes in, she rips a gold streak through the sky, and she comes in riding her Pegasus. Brilliant. Just, Oh, is that a Marvel Legends toy? Because I think I would buy that. Toy. I, I don't care. I, I would. I would get a frame of that because it just yeah. it looks so like this shot. The shot in Ragnarok when you saw all the Valkyries coming in like that. Oh, oh, yeah. That's that, that's that Meatloaf album cover shot. Oh my uh, god, yeah, it's just I, so gorgeous. I was really scared that we were gonna lose her in this movie because mm -hmm. it really looked like it was going that way. And the narrative was definitely playing that way for sure. But I mean, but it's okay. We still got Valkyrie. I think we're gonna see a lot more Valkyrie in the long run. Personally, exactly. we better. Um, so the battle sequence is really fun. Uh, Gore gets all the kids and kind of kind of kicks off this weird kind of Nightmare Before Christmas tone, stealing kids kind of story arc, which I feel like I've seen before, but I haven't seen before. That's why I said it's like a folk tale. Yeah, it, it, it's it really feels primal. like it. 
It's yeah. very fun. That's a good way to put it, actually. So, so then we get into the story of why Thor and Jane didn't quite work out, which is fun. I, it's so modern. It's like such a modern tale, but it's like yeah. Thor of all people. Like it's it's just so fun. That was a beautiful montage. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a gorgeous one, and it really tells us. It really sums up their story really fast. Mm -hmm. Like it's a montage sequence, but it tells you everything you need to know. Like they were super happy together. Lots of laughs. All was great, and then time slowly progressed. They just drifted apart and then to a point where they just don't talk. And then that's the end. Like it was just so tidied up so well. And it was great. Um, and then we hear about Omnipotent City. Mm. Oh my God. I literally jaw dropped at the floor because I know I've heard of it in the comics. It's totally a place in the comics. And I was like, no way are we going to Omnipotent City. Oh, my God. I've never been one of those guys who... I love board games. You know that. Oh, of course. I've never been one who of those guys. Who doesn't love dice rolling? Are, yeah, if you don't love dice rolling, What's seek wrong help, with you? Seek help yeah. right now. But I've never been a fan of those Warhammer games where it's just like, Get build, a, build a village and paint your guys and make them fight, right? Yeah. Um, but if I was... I would, this would be a project I would do is I would make Omnipotent City. Oh, that place yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good. So, first of all, just before they go, they realize. So, first of all, we discover that Heimdall has a kid. Yeah. Which was kind of a out of left field moment. But, but again, you just kind of accept it really fast because the movie doesn't give you time to, to debate it. It's just like, oh, yeah, Heimdall has a kid. Yeah. And then they're just and we, like, we even see his mom, but we don't really get a read on her She's yeah just like hey i'm his mom we didn't even know heimdall had like was married like yeah. when did that happen there's some story missing there but anyway you just buy it you buy it and accept it and just run with it really fast because that's the, the way the tone of the movie is it's just like they just constantly throw things at you and just like but as you digest it you get you kind of get how things work i get it but mm -hmm. when your superpower is you can see women in the shower why would you ever get married <sighs> You know, there's just, there's things. There's just some things money can't buy. For other things, there's Heimdall's there's eyes. Heimdall. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so the kids take Thor and Thor. The scene with Thor and the kids in the prison is, the jokes are all there. It's all hilarious. But let's get to a omnipotent city. So this is cameo-filled Easter egg. Just, oh my God, yes, galore. it is. There's so many Easter eggs. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, but the dumpling thing was hilarious, or what is it? What, what is it? Lord, Bow the Lord bowed of the dumplings. That was mm -hmm. so funny. Uh, and then you got Korg's king, and uh, I love that he's sitting on a throne of scissors. Yeah, which is really priceless. Um, but because uh, one of the, one of the things I uh, noticed that a reviewer was talking about, because none of the characters speak, it's really hard to determine if they are characters or not. There are a lot of characters who look like characters, but since they don't speak or don't have really any context in that scene, it's uh, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to decipher. But there's some interesting moments there. Uh, but it's love. It's awesome to see all the gods in this kind of throne room scene here, and they introduce Zeus, and I love the introduction of Zeus. They did not skimp out on this mm -hmm. at all. Like you think, like you think that this kind of writes itself. But no, Taika takes it like five steps further with Russell Crowe. It's so good. Russell Crowe did not disappoint either. He no. came, He brought his A game for this his role. His Greek accent is like flawless. It's so good, yeah. Have some wine, <laughs> some grape. It's not good. Yeah, uh, he was... remove your disguise. <laughs> um, 
when I bumped into you before the movie started, I mentioned how Omnipotent City was a Where's Waldo book of, of it is. Eggs. Oh my god, it's so hard to pick up. There's a lot going on there, but my eye kept getting drawn to one dude mm. who was sitting right in front of Korg. He okay. is blue skinned and yeah. he's wearing very a very elaborate, colorful feather headdress mm -hmm. that looks very Mayan. And when I saw Mayan with blue skin, I immediately thought of, well, the the uh, announcements that have been coming about about Black Panther has said that mm. the Atlanteans are very Mayan in influence. Uh, they're putting Atlantis near the Mayan Riviera. Uh, so when you see them, they are going to have that influence of, of Mayan culture to them. So this guy sitting in front of Korg I think he's Namor's god. Interesting. Because the Atlanteans are blue, right? Yeah, the Atlanteans are blue. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, because uh, we're going to see Atuma, and Atuma is going to be blue. And he's he actually released promo art, which looks dope, by the way. Yeah. Cannot wait to see that trailer. I'm very curious to see what's going to be in that trailer um, and how much they're going to spoil. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh that was actually a really clever play on words there and i'm, I'm actually going to appreciate what i just did for a second anyway okay you could be right it's a, it's a, it could be an atlantis thing but again because we don't the character doesn't have a speaking role it's a long shot in the dark um yeah. but yeah but what i can tell you is if you look in the windows you actually see celestial gods yes. peeking in the the windows there which is really cool yeah some of uh Arishem's buddies are peeking in mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. when are we gonna meet their angry cousin who likes to eat planets i don't know um, i want to know sooner rather than later does this count as a planet what omnipotent city yeah hell yeah so what would it, how does it taste <sighs> like feta cheese mm -hmm. and it basically tastes like a giant gyro that's actually very fitting. Yeah, that's very fitting. Uh, lots of good spices and flavors. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's tzatziki slathered all on the inside. Uh, you've got different flavors though, like because there's gods from everywhere, so mm -hmm. it's kind of like a um, a gyro of multiple origins. There's yeah. a little bit of Asian flair. There's some South American flair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's I like it. That's a, that's a very fitting description. I would have I would have said something along those lines. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking the gyro as well. So I'm gonna yeah, I'll give you that one. But what I will say about Omnipotent City is when Zeus comes in, Zeus, 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 Zeus. Man, does he make an entrance, and it is just pure glorious. And and that scene, he steals the show. Russell yes, Crowe yes. steals the entire show. The accents there, the humor is there. Um, and so there's, but there's a beautiful moment, uh, that Thor pleads that like, we need to get involved, but this kind of plays to, um, this kind of plays to Odin in a sense, because Odin always says a great King never seeks out war, but is always prepared for it. Right. And he pleads to Zeus that they need to act. And Zeus says, Asgard's problem is Asgard's problem. Right. So this is a really smart this is a really well constructed scene because it's kind of a full circle moment for thor but it's kind of like did does thor learn something from this in the sense of like this he understands that war is coming and he needs to prevent it before it happens so it's kind of like that kind of narrative so it's really fun um and so they realize that they're trying to summon an army 
I almost thought they were going to get one, to be honest with you. I was, I was almost convinced. I was yeah. almost convinced. Same. But, but I do like that they ended up making Zeus like a villain, in essence. Because mm -hmm. uh, in Greek mythology, Zeus is a, a jerk. Yeah. Zeus is an absolute a-hole. Yeah. He just goes around sleeping with everybody he wants to. Not consensually most of the time. Mm -hmm. Getting folks pregnant. Uh, and then, like, not caring about his kids. Uh, so I, I like that they stuck with that image of Zeus. And again, I want this movie where the villain is a god butcher to be filled with gods that make me second guess who I'm rooting for. Yeah, the movie does a really good job of making you change who you're rooting for for, for a bit there. Mm -hmm. um, so the Zeus thing doesn't work out, which was really fun. Uh, and I love that form. Oh my God. I love that Thor through the Thunderbolt through him. Oh my God. It was oh. so good. Uh, and I love that they play the joke on that, like that Thor is thunder and he's lightning. Yeah. You know, I, uh, it was so fun. Uh, I thought I was going to see a bit more cameos and other gods there. But again, I, again, it's, there's a lot and it's unconfirmed if you're going to see anything, but uh, they get the Thunderbolt and they go, they go to get the kids. Now what's interesting is they go to get the kids uh, and in this movie too, they they do kind of kill characters, but they don't kill them. Kill them. Like yeah. for example, Korg uh, looks like he gets killed. And there's a moment where you're just like, oh man, did they just kill Korg? Like did that just happened, and he survives. Like he totally just like he just <laughs> clean gets away with it. It's still funny as hell, and it's a lot of fun uh, to watch what they do with Korg. Uh, but yeah, they, there's a moment, there's a beautiful moment where Korg is about to die and this is, could be a good growth moment for Thor, but because he actually doesn't die, he just kind of, they, they kind of shrug it off. Yeah. It kind of doesn't need to happen. It's a very protracted joke. Yeah. And because now I feel like because we know Korg is so resilient, the stakes are a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, every time you undo a death. It lowers the stake. I'm looking at you, Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, Ooh, good call. As much as it would have hurt my heart to see Valkyrie die, the fact that she shrugged off that wound too. Yes. And, I mean, look how many people had that same problem with Obi-Wan two months ago, right? If your character is intended to live, just don't stab them with a lightsaber through the gut. Save yourself the trouble, <laughs> right? Like, just don't, don't stab them. So yeah, you're going to create tension that fizzles out right away, and then it's going to ruin the stakes further down the road. So just, just don't do that. Just don't have those scenes in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Honestly, it's there's there's a lot of moments. There's a lot of moments like that where they like they could have played with the tension more of making you think that character is going to die, mm -hmm. and and as long as you walk that fine line. And almost like, because I was almost convinced Valkyrie was going to die. Same. And Val, because Valkyrie gets impaled by the lightning bolt, I think it was. Was it the lightning? By, I can't remember if it was. I feel like if it was the Necro Sword, she'd be dead. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I think it was it the Necro Sword. I don't remember now. Anyway, we'll talk. Oh, yes, you're right. It was the Necro Sword. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Wow. So that's even more of a. Yeah, because they fight them. They fight them the first round and they lose. Yeah. And they come back and then they try again um so but yeah so they get the lightning bolts but Korg gets killed first but he doesn't actually die then valkyrie almost gets killed second and she lives 
Also, Lady Sip was the very first friend character uh, potentially killed, Mm -hmm. but she also survives. So there's a lot of like, could be dying, but not dead, that kind of thing. And so it's, eh, it's like. See, eh. and I think this this here would have been a perfect place to uh, take that through line of Sif and run with it, where if this was that hypothetical storyline I mentioned earlier, where Mm -hmm. Sif goes on the group with them and she has this dynamic with uh, Jane, and maybe they don't quite see eye to eye because there's a jealousy thing. And, you know, they, they start to try to one up each other because I feel like that's what they would do. They're both warriors now. So they would have that competition going. Yeah. And then you could have beautifully closed out Sif's arc where maybe that sword was headed for Jane and Sif gets in the way and she she does die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she gets the she gets the, the Valhalla death. She's like, she gets the Valhalla death. Exactly. Yeah. And she gets to, uh, like, her and Jane bury the hatchet there because literally a hatchet has been buried in, in Sif. So mm-hmm. the fighting's over. You don't have to have the fake cop out with Valkyrie. And you have a more emotional story from it. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and speaking of, speaking of uh, Valkyrie getting killed, the fight scene on the planet is really fun with gore. I love that it's always black and white. Yeah, that's uh, nice. with the blue lightning, which is really cool, and the the, the golden thunderbolt, um, it's it's really fun. And so they lose, and so they know. Then we find out that Gore is going for Eternity, which is yes. really cool. Uh, it was really cool to see Eternity. Eternity's got a lot of really good comic book stories. Uh, one with Doctor Strange that is super fun. Uh, so. I really enjoyed that part of the the storytelling there, and so Thor and and Jane, uh, you know, rally again and go to stop Gore once again. I, you know, I love the scene. It was a fun, it was a fun ride, but but I also felt it was a bit kind of Disney for me with the kids. Yeah, I loved it. I still loved it, but it felt Disney. Like it just felt like a Disney. Yeah, movie. that's fair. Um... And maybe they're overcompensating because the movie literally ends with a child dying yeah. of dehydration. But you're right; it could, it could tilt that way. It could tilt into the too much Disney way. Um, it's still I, fun, though. It's still fun, and I think they wisely kept it short. Um, but did you notice there was a cool little Easter egg thing when he gives them the power when he slams Stormbreaker yeah. down and he gives them the power temporarily? Uh, the lights that that shoots out of uh, Stormbreaker and goes into the kids. Uh, they go to like a top-down perspective, and it's Yggdrasil, the world. Yes, tree. it is Yggdrasil. It's a lot of really cool symbolism. I mm-hmm. love the enchantment he does too. It's it was such a cheeky moment, but I love that he's like for a limited time only, and, like, <laughs> and he does it. But it's I I mean I think in the comic he actually passes the power on to like a, a, an army, and then like they're all like mini Thors. Nice. Um, but yeah, the kids the kids thing was kind of cute. It was just cute. It was cute. It was Disney, and I, I just I was like, all right, I'll I'll run with it. It's fine. Um, but for Thor to share his power, I thought that was really interesting too, because again in the first movie, they they talk about how he can go to Earth and he just summons a little lightning and everyone praises him a god, mm-hmm. but he gives them the power, which is really kind of an interesting arc there. Uh, the battle is just ridiculously fun, uh, just very colorful, and it's fun to watch the kids just go nuts. Uh, and the battle with Gore, Mighty Thor, and Thor are really is is just really metal, like it's super cool. 
Um, and it was a clever way to beat the boss. That's another thing I want to point out in this one. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it takes clever wits. You know, they got to outsmart them. Other times it's like a good on 1v1 boss battle. This time they had to break the sword. Yeah. And I was wondering how they were going to do it. And it was really cool that they did through Jane and the hammer. Yes, they did it through teamwork and also through using Thor specific powers. Like, yeah. This could not have been done by Iron Man, for example. Yes, right? exactly. You needed Mjolnir and the lightning bolt to work together there to take out that sword. Uh, I like that. Yeah, you're, mm -hmm. I agree. That was a great way to defeat the villain. And then we get a shot of Eternity. Actually, in that room, too, not only do we see uh, Eternity, but we also see um, uh, Watu the Watcher. He's there? He's His statue is there. Oh, his statue is there. Okay. I, he's not there there, but yes, his statue is there. But who knows? Maybe he was there. If what if is any indication he's everywhere yes. he's in this room right now watch contributing to this podcast exactly i disagree i disagree i was also on westworld i you know i was gonna say i was trying to think of the opening he always does and what if in the show um, i'm always watching or something like that i'm the watcher yeah. i swore never to interfere something like that he yeah. always sets his narrative anyway so we get to eternity which is again a great comic book snapshot just like pure comics uh and again this is a so we got the really cool boss battle but this one is kind of a plea to kind of turn the boss into a good person because they are in the long run like they get where he's coming from and it's all about love and love's gonna save your life so again kind of cool all right mm -hmm. i'll buy it i'll take it it's fun um yeah it was kind of but it was kind of weird that like hey we'll take care of the kid like i don't know if i would buy just like hey i'm just gonna give my kid to you and you're gonna raise that kid yeah and i think it's because and i could be mistaken here but i feel like thor himself didn't do anything to prove to gore that he's a good enough person to raise his daughter well yeah and that's like like because like i don't know if he just tried to prove i guess because like the movie's about him proving he's a good god but it doesn't it should have been about that it should have been about that because the ending justifies that yes the ending justifies that like which what gore thought was like gods are useless thor proves that like no i'm i'm gonna protect these people and that's what i do yeah as a god and all that stuff but there's that kind of gets missed in the whole missed in the whole aloofness of thor which i get why they designed him that way uh taika i think pitched it taika pitched that thor is a fish out of water here because like he's, he's he's like he's like that friend from you know from a different country they know english but they don't quite get the jokes the slang the humor yeah. so they start when they start to get it they apply it in weird ways and stuff like that and that's what thor is supposed to be it's from asgard he can speak english just fine but he doesn't quite get the mannerisms the humor of people so yes. and you kind of see that through this movie in ragnarok as well um and so yeah so i agree with you though they kind of missed the mark with this ending a little bit in the sense of like yes he is a god with purpose like he protects people that's what he does and he does live up to that and he, but but because of the aloofness that he does and and the mistakes he makes throughout this whole thing you kind of you're not convinced you're not convinced but it's cute that he gets the daughter and you know raises the daughter as like a mini thor that that is cute it is sweet um and it's a good way to i feel like it's still a better way to close out gore's arc than it is to close out Thor's arc. By the way, a movie where everybody is named Thor, Gore, and Korg. It's like 
this was going to be a hard thing to talk and about. And then Valkyrie. <laughs> and then, yeah. thank, thank God for Valkyrie. Yeah. Um, I got to talk about Eternity, though, because that is... I, I've seen that character before, mm -hmm. and the way they presented her... I think it's a she. Mm -hmm. The way they presented her was so, somehow simultaneously beautiful and really, really frightening. Mm -hmm. This just large being in this vast purgatory of water uh seated almost like like the buddha uh just there not really not saying a word not even really interacting with them in any way or moving but you can feel the presence of there's this big thing in the room that's not human but it's alive yeah uh i i just got goosebumps during that every time they showed eternity and I wanted your comic knowledge here because I'm trying to remember. Oh God! In terms of the hierarchy, I know cosmic is more Nick's thing, yeah. but in terms of the hierarchy of all these beings out in the cosmic verse here, I know the Eternals are higher than humans, the Celestials are higher than Eternals, and now whatever eternity is is higher than the celestials that's correct correct yeah oh absolutely who are the other beings that are like her death death okay death is definitely one of, there is love as well love is kind of relatively more new um uh then there's uh the living tribunal oh the living tribunal is one of those living tribunal is one of those okay. and we did see also a statue of the living tribunal in the uh in that room um so yes and then the watchers are also part of that. Oh, yeah. That always watching. Always watching, just like Heimdall. Mm -hmm. Always watching when you're on the can, when you're walking your pet. Yeah. They are watching you and judging you. And probably. showering. And especially showering. Especially. Um, with all the buff, handsome, good-looking superheroes, I'm pretty sure Heimdall was watching everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Love, the little girl. Yes. Is she a character in the comics? Oh my god! I just met. I just. I had a moment there. What's that? Because I mentioned that there's eternity, death, and, and love. love. She's love. She's love. Oh my god! So we just created a new whatever those people are. Called. Uh... Do they have a name? They just called the big, big. They're just like cosmic, cosmic beings. Cosmic beings. Yeah. Uh, is oh, love? Is love God. the girl in the comics as like the daughter of Thor, and her name is Love? No, no. I think she's not. I know Thor ends up having a daughter in one in in like a multiverse. Yeah, and the new Avengers stuff. Yeah, right? new Avengers. But her stuff. name's not Love. No. Okay, that's because no. I was like, if her name's like Sigrid or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. Okay. Right. That's that great movie. Animated movie, by the way, is yeah. actually really it's underrated. It's actually really good. It Little is. cheesy moments, but so made two of them, I think. I think you're I thinking them. of the uh, yeah, you're thinking of the ultimates. I'm talking there's there was a cheesy one that was made for kids, uh -huh. but it's actually really underrated. It's really good. Ultron essentially kills all the Avengers. Yeah, and it's all the kids working. Together. Yeah, it's all the yeah. kids, yeah, yeah. Super good. Um because I'm glad that she's not really in the comics like that because I feel like that title would have been hugely predictable then for people who were in the mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I mean, it's like calling a movie that has nothing to do with Spider-Man characters and calling the movie like Thor, Venom, and Fury. And then, <laughs> and then 
who yeah. shows up at Venom and Nick Fury, and it's like, oh, we kind of saw that coming. So I'm glad that love is not somebody that everybody was expecting. I'm glad that that was a big surprise for people. Oh, yeah, no, it was big. Oh, it was a huge surprise. I was like, oh, wow, this is an interesting twist. Mm -hmm. But I like it. I kind of, I like where it's, I do like where it's going in the long run of things. I think, but again, I think there, the problem I'm having with the MCU right now is it's still, I, I don't know why Kevin's saying it's so clear where this is going, where I don't, I don't get it. He said it's about to become clear. Uh, I know, but, or no, but it's been clear to him. Because he's looking at whiteboards. 10 times I know. He, he, he is. He's trolling us. It's it's going to become clear. Yeah. San Diego Comic-Con is what, two weeks away? Uh, yeah. Maybe even less? Yeah. That's when we will find Well, out. and it makes sense, too, because, because at San Diego, they're going to talk about all the movies. And then at D23, which is also happening this year, it's all the shows. So I, I'm pretty sure that's the way they're going to do it. But yeah, so I like I like the ending for this one. I think that the problem I'm having right now, though, is everything is still pretty siloed. Like the events, the only one that actually is building towards something was Song Chi, and yeah. even then, like they didn't quite explain what that was about. No, and every film has really, uh, I'd say, more so than the other phases. Every mm -hmm. Phase Four film has used its post-credit scenes to be like, "Damn, look what's coming next." And I thought, I thought Thor would do that. Well, you talked about that on the last episode of Miss Marvel, I believe it was. We talked about, you know, what could possibly happen at the end of the post-credit sequence, and uh, and I honestly, th I was expecting a big Guardians of the Galaxy kind of end credit. I didn't get it, but I did get something I wanted. Well, I I feel like we got what I was hoping for too, which was not so much here's what's next for MCU, but here's what Thor 5 is going to be about. Yeah. And it's about, say it with me now, Hercules! Hercules! Bless myself, Herc was on a roll, undefeated, flying high, and the nicest sky. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got what I wanted. I totally got what I wanted. I, But, you know, with Zeus in the trailer, it's 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 not hard to predict that we were gonna get Hercules. Like, mm. I love the guy they cast for him. Actually, I think he's. I, I've only seen clips of his work on Ted Lasso, but he's. Uh, I think he actually he's gonna be a fun Hercules. Like, he's going to be really because he's got good comedic chops, okay, which is yeah. I, I think which is also the way you got to look at why they casted him because his comedic timing in the show is actually really spot on and it's really intense. But he, he has, I think he can compete with Thor and, and kind of be a good comedic duo, but be like, a, have a more intense humor that plays off of him a bit more, which is going to be fun. Is his personality similar to Thor's? Yeah, in the comics, it's pretty, pretty similar. But, mm -hmm. but think of a more, again, think of a more intense, like Wolverine kind of humor. Ah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really interested to see what they do with him. But he looks so cool. So I saw I saw it in 3D, and it kind of, it was funny because he kind of looked CG a little bit. But that I watched I watched clips online um, of of the reveal, which has been all over the all over YouTube. Hercules reveal, big everyone's big and excited because it is exciting. And and, and the fact of the matter is, in the late 70s and in the 80s, the Silver Age of comics, Thor and Hercules do like duke it out many a times yeah. like they're heroes they get they're they both like you know do heroic things but they always butt heads and it's fun to watch like watching them beat the snot out of each other i imagine it's like 
taking two Buzz Lightyears from Toy Story 1, mm -hmm. where they don't understand that they're toys, and putting them in the same kid's room. Exactly. Uh, exactly. so fun. Oh, it's so good. But yes, he looks really badass. He looks comic book accurate and everything. Beautiful. I couldn't be happier. I got exactly what I wanted. And it was just, a, I was, it was funny though, because I was trying to understand what Russell Crowe is saying, because his accent is really good. It's, it's very Greek. Very Greek. Very Greek. And uh, he says, uh, he says that, uh, you know, they used to look up to us, they used to fear us, and now, and they used to tell us their deepest desires. Now they look at us as a joke, and, you know, now they, they just want to see their heroes. And what they need to see is Thor, Otis, and fall out of the sky. And he goes, Do you understand? Hercules, and then everyone just like everyone in my theater was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it wasn't like like it, it wasn't like a like a ooh. It was like oh, like it was like a it was a loud um. Yeah, it, it got a big draw, and even though he's not like a huge star, seeing who played him and and seeing him exist, yeah, got a big draw because he got name dropped earlier in the movie, and I thought it was going to be like a Stephen Strange. Yes, Civil War yeah, kind of yeah, no, so they did like, that. Uh, Okay, they're just gonna brush him off, but no, they they went. Uh... That's right. Yeah, Thor does when when they talk about omnipotent city, they mention the gods, and then Jane's like like gods, and then then yeah, we we hear of Hercules. We even see uh, Dionysus actually uh, oh, in in cool. omnipotent city as well, praising Zeus. Uh, so there's there's uh, there's a lot of gods in there, but yeah, they name drop Hercules, and I also had a Doctor Strange moment with oh. that one. Uh, but I'm glad they actually showed him at the end. Like, now I actually got both of what I wanted because I was like, either you mention or you show Hercules, and I got both. And so. Both, and they built it up really well. Mm -hmm. And you know who else got what they wanted? Jane. She got to go to Valhalla. She got to go to Valhalla, which is actually happens in the comic books. So it's it's kind of following the yeah. the arc there as well. Uh, now the interesting thing is the second post credit sequence because. She's there. She looks confused. Does she say anything else? Do you remember if there's any other details she dropped? I don't think she says anything. She just kind of sees Heimdall. She's like, Heimdall? Yeah. And he's like, hello, Jane Foster of Earth. Welcome to Valhalla. And then she's like, <gasps> yeah. And that's it. Because a lot of people are asking, like, where's Loki in this one, right? So the, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Loki is going to be there or what's going to happen, but this does happen in the comics. Uh, curious to where they're setting this up. There is a story. I don't know, but here's the thing. A lot of people are saying there's a story of the War of the Gods, the War right. of Kings. I don't think we're going to get that in the MCU because it's too isolated to Thor as like a problem. So I don't know if that's going to be like four or five and six are going to be like, or this was five, six? Four. This was four. This was four. Yeah, this was four. So five and six are going to be like the War of the Gods or something like that. It could be. I mean, it could hey, be, I'd be down with that. Could be like it could be like Civil War in the sense it's on a smaller scale than the comic, mm -hmm. um, whereas the comics like just an epic all-out brawl of brawls. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Thor's conclusion of story is probably going to be the War of the Gods, and uh, and and it's just going to be isolated to Thor more or less, with some heroes helping here. But take advantage of the fact that he has a daughter now. Don't take, let that yeah, go to waste. Exactly. Because that's his biggest takeaway from this film, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I have just opened up our Marvel character encyclopedia because it's time to add Zeus. Zeus. And Hercules. Wow, this encyclopedia is huge. And it's been a while since we've added to it. Hercules. And yeah. finally, Gore the God Butcher. And uh, love as well. And love. 
Um, now, are they actually going to call her that, or do you think they're going to call her like Sigrid? They could. Um, I feel like it could still go either way. It could go either way. They could just call her love. Yeah. I think that could happen. Let's go with love for now, and then if it changes, we will change with it. Oh, and Dionysus was a character in it, uh, and the Nell of Ninnies or whatever, the Korg's King. That's a character. Oh, okay. Korg's uh, King. Uh, I think that's about it in terms of Marvel comic book references. Big, yeah. yeah. Um, next I thing. don't know if Heimdall's kid was an actual number character. It could be wrong. I feel like he wasn't because it seems like the average consensus online is WTF when it comes to Heimdall's kid. Um, mm -hmm. He's a good actor, though, that kid. I liked him. Now it's time to uh, <laughs> to look at our runtime guessing for Thor Love. Oh, no. I totally forgot about this. Do you remember what you guessed? I guessed high, I think. I guess I think we both guessed high. Oh, did we? Okay. I'm going to say two and a half hours is what I guessed. Not that high. You mm. guessed 212. Okay. I guessed 214. So you are still right. Righteous. The righteous. You have been right four out of five times. Or, you know, closest four out of five times. Uh, no Way Home is the only time I Bryce. was closer. Bryce is right. Yeah. Wow, you're good at that. Um, oh, and then we got to talk about the gauntlets. We do have to talk about the gauntlet because, uh, oh, first of all, before we talk about the gauntlet, we got to crack open our cemetery because Gore and Jane mm -hmm. have bit the dust. So let's start with Gore because it's the less sad one of the two. Yes. Ryan, what does Gore's tombstone look like in the Marvel Memorial Cemetery? Uh... I wanted to find some sort of pun with butchers, mm. but it's kind of hard. Uh, I want to say uh, something like, and he got cut. <laughs> and he got cut? <laughs> he got butchered? Yeah, something like that. Um, I, I feel like he would have a statue um, where he's just going like this, like as if he's holding his daughter, but there's nothing there. And you can go lie down in the statue and, and mm. like chill there and take a picture with him. Um, I like he got cut. I like um, I, I like I like some kind of reference to him butchering things. I think that's smart. Yeah. Um, what about Jane Foster? Jane Foster. Uh, you know what? The doctor is in. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing: you could be right yeah. because I feel like Jane Foster's tombstone is covered by shrubbery so you can't quite see it and it's really thick shrubbery mm -hmm. but if you were somehow able to move the shrubbery you would see inscripted on it whatever she whispered in thor's ear before she died Ooh, yes because i don't think we're ever going to learn that i think that's just between her and thor um maybe if we see her in like avenger 6 and she pops up in like a Val in a, a valhalla cameo uh, she might say the line as like a sweet little callback, like how mm -hmm. Falcon says on your left, whatever. But other than that, I feel like we're not going to learn what she said. Yeah. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think she said? I don't know. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, I There's something it has to do. I don't know. I don't. You know what's interesting? And I do want to say this. I can't answer your question. But what I will say, 
I'm really curious to see if there's a lot of deleted scenes for this movie. Oh, there must be. There are so many bites that feel like they've been taken out of this movie. Something's off about this movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we even figured it out, but I, I feel like I feel like the deleted scenes would solve all of our problems. I hope so. Um, I do know that Natalie Portman said what she whispers was actually like there is a line and it's in the script, so it it is a, a tangible thing, but we just don't get to hear it. I think that's kind of uh, it's interesting. I wonder if you close caption it when the movie comes out, that it will tell you. It'll probably be inaudible whispering. Mm. Something like that. They they tend to do that a lot. Um, but that means it's time to rate the movie. Oh boy. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I'd like you to go first this time around. Fine. Um <laughs> you wanted me to go first, did you? <laughs> I, I, it took some, it was harder to gauge how many stones I would give this. But what I ended up with was four, mm. four stones. Um, because it rhymes with Thor and Gore. No, because um, there is an absolutely spectacular fun movie in here. But Oftentimes, and especially now after we've done this podcast together and we've sort of ruminated on what could have been and what might have been and possibly what even should have been, even though should is kind of a harsh word when you're talking about art, still, this feels like it's half of a spectacular fun movie and that a lot of stuff is missing. Mm -hmm. Now, Taika mm -hmm. has gone and said that he, you know, he's not a fan of deleted scenes. He says, you know, they go on the cutting room floor for a reason. He even joked, he said that I hate my deleted scenes so much that in the Blu-ray, I wish that it just said what they were, but you don't even get to watch them. No. <laughs> um, so I don't think a Peter Jackson extended cut of this is coming anytime soon, unfortunately. Which, oh, I don't think Marvel's ever done an no, extended cut. No, they haven't, yeah. and I don't expect them to, but I mean, Disney, if you want to make money off your physical media because you're throwing these things on Disney Plus like two days after they come out, which so, I, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I know, and Ryan's not going to complain about that. But if you want people to actually buy your Blu-rays, this might not be a bad idea. Mm. And you get to, they get to experience the movie in a different way a second time. Nobody who has ever watched the Lord of the Rings extended cuts has ever regretted it. Mm. Nobody in history. Everybody's been like, damn, that's even better than the masterpiece I saw in theaters. That's true. So just putting that out there, Disney, you know, just play with that. Uh, so I feel like Four Stones is it, it wins points for fun. It wins points for humor. It wins points for awesome villain who was even better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, great stuff between Thor, Jane, and the weapons. Like that whole, every time they stopped and, and took time to have them talk to each other was beautiful. Mm -hmm. A little conversation on the boat, which was, I think, our only slow moment in the movie where she blurts out, I have cancer. Beautiful. All of that stuff. Had there been like 20 more minutes of it, I think this might have been a gauntlet movie. So it, it's true. Uh, I agree. I agree with that. And what I was going to say, too, I actually forgot to talk about that, the scene where she confessed she had cancer. One thing they explained better in the comics is that the hammer, uh, when she every time she uses it, this is actually comic book accurate. Every time she uses it, it actually uh, makes it worse for her. Mm. And that's because if the hammer prevents anything coming into the body. So all the uh, it does the movie didn't do a good enough job explaining it, but in the comic they explained it more is that the chemo treatment doesn't work 
Because every time she uses the hammer, it pushes the chemo out of her body. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. it pushes everything that's foreign away from the body, yes. including the treatment that was supposed to help her. And because cancers kind of like grow within you, it was like, it was not like a foreign thing. Yeah, they could have definitely spelled that out. Better. Yeah, but I would, I would actually, I was not going to lie. I'm also going to give it, I was going to give it four. Yeah. I was going to give it four only because like you said, I think you said it best there in, in the end it's there's what you're left with is still like a super fun, entertaining Marvel spectacle. Like as a Marvel fan, if you go into it, you're going to be happy. Like it's yeah. just, it's just fun. It's just fun. But if you're going in there for like some deep substance and story, you're going to be left wanting more. And, yes. and it's not a bad thing because again, it's a Mar like not all Marvel movies. Even when I say it, I feel like I'm, I'm not saying it right. Not all Marvel movies have to have like a lot of super big substance to it to pass as like a good Marvel movie. But this movie really skips over a lot and 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 kind of just keeps this rhythm, uh, this super fast kind of roller coaster ride. So yeah, it's it's a roller coaster ride. It's gonna give you your ups and downs. It's gonna twist and turns, and it's gonna be a fun ride, screaming the whole way, and then laughing at the end. But in the end, the ride's gonna feel like two minutes, and you're gonna you're gonna want more. You're gonna want it to be longer. You're gonna want it to offer more as a roller coaster ride, but in the end, it's just a ride, and it's super fun. But you can always go back on it and just watch it again. Yes, the, you know, you always can. Um, and if they want to possibly extend that ride to home media, I'm not going to complain. But um, there's to to bounce off what you just said. It's not super deep and emotional as as some other Marvel movies mm -hmm. are. It's more towards the fun side. And yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. But I feel like the vast majority of people now have realized, thanks to two little movies that both have Guardians of the Galaxy in the title, that you can be both and be spectacular at both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. almost like there's no excuse now. It's true. Um, but yeah, in the end, I, I still praise it. I still think it, it ranks pretty high for me. Like it's still like a fun it's it's just yeah it's I think doesn't give enough time for those emotions to breathe, and and to, and like you said, tell that story of heart, and and get to it. They do have moments of heart, but they don't let it breathe, and they just keep moving super fast. Um, but in the end, great movie, full of love and thunder, and we got Hercules. Hercules, did you hit anybody with the mirror on your way out of the theater at all? No. Mm -hmm. um, I I actually yeah no I wanted to I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to hit something with my hammer, but I didn't get a chance to. Those seats are also really comfortable, by the way. Yeah. I saw it at Landmark Cinemas, and those chairs, undeniably super comfy. Very comfy chairs, slightly cheaper ticket price. Uh, the only downside to that place is that it's for some far. reason, it, <laughs> yeah, it is also far from, from you, but for some reason, um, if you were to go and buy a ticket at the box office there, without fail, this has happened to me like five times in a row, uh, they will say the theater's full. You only have these seats left at the front, and then you go in, and the theater's absolutely not full the entire movie. That's so weird. It, it, it makes zero sense to me. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, comfy seats. And yeah. the next time you should hit me on there. I hit somebody with me on there yeah. when you go to the movies. Mm -hmm. It might kill them, but what a way to go, right? They'll go to Valhalla. 
they, they will, died in battle. They will go to Valhalla. But you know, it's funny. My my, I'll leave I'll leave us with this little note. My friend was saying to me, he's like, he's like, have you ever been worried about hitting somebody with that hammer, but feeling so good about it, but then at the same time realizing that you're hitting somebody with that hammer, and then worried that you might break it? And I I said I said to him, you know what? I think about that every day. Every day, <laughs> especially when you're not around the hammer. Yeah, you just can't help yeah. it be drawn back. To it. Ryan, where can people find you when you're not murdering people with god weapons? As always, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada, where I stream every Tuesday and Thursday from two to four. Mm-hmm. And you can also find me on YouTube at Expert Zone. Period. <laughs> the YouTube.com forward slash Expert Zone. That is where uh, a lot of my creative videos lie with the work that I do. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me on socials, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online, and you can find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. Speaking of video games, when are you getting Spider-Man? Oh, it's going to be in August. Comes out in August? Comes out in August. That's going to be entertaining to, to watch. I can't wait to watch you play that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Fantasia, and you can find me on my YouTube channel, Andrew Fantasia. And if you are one of the people who knew what we were talking about when we were discussing Westworld, Guess what I'm talking about on my channel right now? It's all the new Westworld stuff. Season four is out. We're three episodes in. We're almost halfway there. God, I love that show. So if you want to hear me talking about that, come on over to the Andrew Fantasia YouTube channel. But other than that, we will see you here on Infinity Rewatch again. Miss Marvel is going to end tomorrow. And we got other stuff coming down the pipe as well. We'll see you here very soon. Until then, please have... Let me try to say it like Zeus. Please have... Marvelous Days.